Hello ladies and gentlemen, we're filming this live on Twitch, but um, I'm greeting the people over on YouTube. As always, you can catch this on, um, of course, the voice of Yamato on Spotify. And um, forgive me for pausing, I need to, I kind of just jumped into it right away because it's very fresh. I just came off the analyst desk and uh, I um, barely had a chance to to rest, but I really, really wanted to talk about this as soon as possible. I think um, Damon today, regardless of what you think about G2's play, I think it was an uphill battle everywhere. I think uh, G2, of course, could have put up uh, a better fight in some of the games, but Damon was and is the better team. Uh, there is uh, no reason to ponder around and say that um, G2 trolled or something like this because at the end of the day, Damwon is just better. And that's super, super important to just highlight from the get-go. Damwon, to some, I was surprised that uh, the sentiment is that Damwon is playing boring. Uh, like boring LCK style, but this is so f far from the truth. So, so far from the truth. They've just found the right balance. Like they, they are a team that can raise their level of activity and decrease their precision when it's necessary and then also shift completely. The reason why it might come across as boring for some, when in my eyes this is beautiful League of Legends, some of the most beautiful League of Legends I've ever seen, is because when Damon is in a winning position, they only take a couple of decisions that are going to make them win the game. And we're going to go through some examples uh, because Showmaker and Ghost specifically really, really cement the idea of this playstyle. They're never going to take risks unless it's necessary. And some of the other teams like the LPL teams and G2 as well, they have this high level of activity, but they don't decrease it. They don't, they never ever slow down. And in a lot of cases, they make mistakes and make throws. And um, I feel like Damon have found a very, very nice balance. Game number two was a good example of Damon doing things in a crazy fashion to try to bring the game back. We have Showmaker chilling in bushes, trying to trap. And they got a triple kill in the bottom side. And they kept competitive in the game because they knew they were in a position where they were losing. They forced a lot of situations. They were playing with a lot of variance because they were in a losing position. And that's beauty. Beautiful. Very beautiful. We talked a lot, a lot about how teams have a certain level of activity and as you raise activity, you lower precision. But Dalman have shown that they can, they can move back and forth and that is insane. That is super, super insane. And as a fan of Great League of Legends, I really enjoy watching that. Today, when Damon were in a winning position, they took it home. And uh, I really, really love this type of League of Legends. It was a joy for me uh, to watch. Um, I'm, of course, I'm indifferent. You know, I just want to see good League of Legends. Um, and uh, that's what I was provided with from, from Damon's side. Let me just refocus the camera because uh, I'm looking kind of uh, blurry. Boom. Anyhow, some of the draft trends we saw today was, um, you know, in the first game, we had a Camille ban from Blue, from G2. They just stuck with it. Uh, Camille ban targeted Noguri. We understand that. Orn Volibear Shen. When Camille is out, 
uh, they wanted to force a situation where G2 pick a Renekton. This was very, very similar to Sooning, you know, like looking at this, this looks like a Sooning draft, right? This looks like a Sooning draft into G2 and it was very cool to see Damwon adapt a lot of those traits. Uh, I thought it was neat, you know, in the moment I tweeted out that I thought that uh, G2 had a, a good draft here because I was so drunk on the Silas ultimates. But in all honesty, this is a very, very tough draft to play. Very hard draft to play. And in hindsight, you know, after letting this draft fester a little bit and, 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 and you know, boil in my mind, I can uh, say that Damwon really, really, oof, really beautiful. So we had the Jin takeaway. I think here they just wanted to test the waters, take a look at what else can Mr. Perks throw on the table, because he played three Jin games against Genji and looked good doing so. And they took the Twisted Fate. Uh, this time around, they baited the Lucian because they wanted to make sure that they can lock in Twisted Fate without the Silas coming into the picture. This was the whole plan and idea. And now with these top lane bans, Orn, Volibear, Shen, you begin to think about top lane blind picks. And Renekton is uh, one of uh, the natural progressions in such a draft state. But honestly, the teams outside of LPL teams and also, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Uh, Nuguri, uh, these players haven't been good at executing on Renekton. I think he relies very heavily on having Nidalee in the team, and when he is out, I think the prior on Renekton drops. Uh, Hecarim was locked in, and I was very surprised because Canyon... The big advantage that Damon usually have in the early game is through Canyon and Hecarim is going to be on the back foot. But uh, with all being said, with how the draft panned out, I thought he Lucian mid into Twisted Fate. That's winning for Lucian. That's not something that you have to be afraid of. Uh, Renekton Blinding is decent here considering you have bans. Of course, GP is something that is tough to prepare for. Maybe Lulu also could have come in here as a pick together with the Hecarim and Twisted Fate. So it's hard to really blame the bans in the second wave. Cannon is fine. You maybe ban Cannon GP and then maybe Lulu is the fourth pick here for Damon, of course. And down, uh, Lulu will have good synergy with some of these champions, speed up Twisted Fate, go for a card. Uh, Lulu, uh, in general, is going to scale good into these champions that are up here. Uh, anyhow, I think, you know, Renekton can probably still uh, lane against Lulu and win, but I'm just speculating if GP was banned here. Nuguri is not necessarily known for his GP, but I know that he has a good GP, you know, I've, I've seen it uh, with my own eyes. GP gets locked in into Renekton after Cannon ban. Uh, Silas is the adaptation. So at, on first glance, you're like, wow, Silas has GP ult, Hecarim ult, Twisted Fate ult. These are going to be some fantastic ultimates that Silas is going to be able to use. But the issue in this game with the Silas lock-in is, you know, as much as we like, uh, you know, Silas into Twisted Fate and, you know, in isolation, maybe it's good. Twisted Fate is going to be winning this matchup early. Silas doesn't win early. Uh, he, he needs to scale, he needs to get a couple of items, he needs to, you know, be able to lane against Twisted Fate on side, and that is where Silas is going to become stronger. Early on, Twisted Fate can actually be better. Especially in this scenario where Twisted Fate is going to have a very easy time itemizing into Lilia and Silas. You think of the usual thing that we talk about on this channel, damage mixes. Here, Mercury is going to be too valuable. Mercuries are obviously broken. Here, just, uh, you know, 
Twisted Fate is going to buy Mercury. There was a big 2v2 that happened in the mid lane where Hecarim and Twisted Fate were fighting against Stylus and Lilia, and no Magic Mantle honestly won it. Uh, there was also Pry on bottom side because in this game, uh, Lucian and Rakan are just not good against Jin and Leona. You're going to have no chance there. It was very losing. They got solo killed because Rakan W'd in for some reason when Lucian was completely out of mana. I think. Here the idea is that you sack your bottom side completely, you play 2v2 mid into top side, and then you hope for the best. This is something that Gianco saw in the game, he was trying to gank, but uh, Noguri was so fucking resilient. He was so, so resilient, it was so good to see, and he was outlaning uh, the Renekton super, super hard, considering how many times Gangplank got ganked, and it just didn't dent him at all. The 2v2 in mid lane happened, I talked about the no magic mantle, and the key thing here was, TF survived long enough, for Hecarim to pick up a kill, and then Hecarim got level 6, and then boom, the game was just over. And then there was a continuation into bottom side, Mickey got chased, and then boom, 2-0-1 Jin. GP is in really good state, didn't matter that he got ganked, and then Hecarim is super far ahead. And then you have this draft that scales so much better than the enemy choices, it doesn't matter how many good ult Silas has. The other champions on this team are just going to be too damn weak. And uh, Renekton uh, is not going to do well in the game, Lucian is not going to do well in the game, and Damwon took a page out of the Sooning book, and uh, Canyon uh, just took over the game after uh, the double kill. Like, honestly, after that uh, triple kill sequence that happened around uh, the blue buff of uh, Damwon, the game is just in the coffin. There is no recovery, and uh, after that, it was just over. The natural progression that you think after a game like this is just looking at Twisted Fate, uh, the, the solution of Silas with the phase is not something that, wor that works. You need to take a look at what your jungle pick is together with Silas in order to make that happen. And also your other lanes, because bottom prior is going to be so important to impact mid. And also, of course, the Leona choice. And another thing is that Renekton is not working out for you. Because even though they picked Hecarim here, they didn't necessarily need to. They could have went for the cannon, they could have went for the GP. And this is going to, in turn, become a weakness for G2 uh, because they can't, you know... Pick Renekton themselves as a blind, and uh, they're going to be end up, uh, you know, they're going to, you know, eventually end up banning it, uh, which uh, happened, especially when Orn is out, Shen is out. You know, Orn and Shen and Camille ban almost pushes you into a world where, you know, Renekton is the blind to go for. They went for Cyan afterwards, okay, that is fine. Lula is a potential. I thought maybe they're going to GP blind, maybe that's going to be the way. Uh, but I think also you need to consider when this happens, uh, they are banning Camille. But I think in all honesty, you need to begin to think when enemy is banning Orn, Volibear, and Shen, uh, maybe you need to switch it up already in first three and ban Renekton. And maybe you force a Camille ban from their side and then you save a ban from your end. Because here you're banning Camille and it makes Damwon's process here of denying a good blind pick for you even easier. So that it was first game. We go into second game where Damwon was uh, having a little bit of fun. There was some memes going on where... Uh, Damwon, uh, the, the meme was that Damwon were picking these champions uh, and they didn't need to win on it just to make sure that they can get a skin on them uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, <laughs> the the damn, um, uh, the damn skin selection. So the meme was that uh, Nuguri found out that he doesn't need to win on Fiora in order to choose a skin for Fiora, which uh, to me was uh, really, really funny. Anyhow, Shen ban, Syndra ban, Jin ban. 
So there was a lot of focus on red side here in comparison to usual uh, series where there's a lot of focus on blue side. The key thing here is why red side is so strong is because there's a lot of shared champion pool here. Very, very big shared champion pool. Uh, it is, you know, uh, you know, you think of the damn, uh, you think of the Camille, you think of the Twisted Fates, you think of the jungle picks. There's a lot of champions these players share. So red side is going to be very strong, especially for Damon because they have bigger champion pools. They can steal away the core picks that, of course, G2 have been successful on. So here, uh, Jin ban because they want to deny the pick from perks at all costs in the 1-2 the, the because it's a decent 1-2 rotation. Uh, perks has been doing well on it. I believe he didn't play a single game of Jin in this series. Uh, Lucian, Nidalee, Lilia ban they're just removing the AP junglers. Uh, it feels when you're banning Lily and Italy here that you're just like begging for them to pick Graves. Which, you know, just shows that you prepare the Kindred in my eyes. You get the Graves-Kindred matchup. And then I think uh, the mistake here for Damon is that they went for the Silas. But I think they've been so good at dissecting Kindred picks. Here Syndra's out, right? So Syndra's banned. And Silas is fine into Twisted Fate, but... Picking more all-in, short-ranged into Kindred makes Kindred stronger. In other games, like the, the last game, or the third game, forgive me, that we saw, they have a very nice composition that they draft specifically towards Kindred and, in that case, also Akali. Um, but anyhow, uh, Silas and Twisted Fate in isolation, okay. But Silas Graves as well don't have that much synergy, you know? You have a jungler now that wants resources and wants his mid laner to play for him and you have uh, a mid laner that wants the jungler to play for him so it's they, they are not operating on a, a similar wavelength so this is the problem with silas in the current meta we've we've seen successful silas's but you know for example top esports picked it with the leeson they are on the same wavelength right they are exactly on the same wavelength uh, Leeson wants to be impactful early on, and Silas is going to use that and just <laughs> suckle on the teeth of uh, of Leeson to to gain, you know, uh, all of his time, all of his resources in, in order to snowball himself. Right? Graves and Silas don't operate in the same way, so this is something that uh, you know is tricky already from the get-go. Camille gets locked in, and then they ban the Renekton, which is uh, the go-to champion choice for. Down one. They could have potentially also gone for an Orn here. I don't understand why they went for the Fiora. I thought they would go for the Orn. But I think they just went for Fiora because finding Twisted Fate, finding Camille. Uh, maybe they didn't want to pick Orn into Kindred. Maybe that was the idea, especially because you are predicting an Ezreal pick. So Orn is not going to be super good here either. Like Orn is not that great here, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Renekton, Pantheon, and then G2 go for the Leona pick. A good adaptation. We saw in the first game, Twisted Fate, Leona were very successful. Silas had a hard time. Uh, very similar conditions here for G2 as Damwon had in the first game. Uh, this game was very, very messy all over the place. Uh, I think the Fiora pick doesn't really belong in the current meta. I think um, here, you know, Barrel had a couple of deaths. You know, Ezra and Leona were looking good. They managed to pick up some dragons. And then eventually it, it the game got pushed into a position where, you know, Soul Point was on the table. And the issue with Fiora, you know, a lot of people ask me about Fiora. I think there's two things most asked questions on this channel is, 
What about Nemesis? And what about uh, Fiora? Uh, I'm done answering. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I didn't want to. It, it just happened. But let me choose other fingers. Uh, no, we're back on this, those fingers. All right. Nemesis and Fiora. Nemesis and Fiora. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Nemesis, we don't answer. But give the man some peace, okay? Give, the, give Fnatic peace. And then Fiora, the issue with Fiora is when, when early drakes get forced and taken, uh, the conditions for Fiora to be successful are very hard to achieve, very difficult to achieve. I, I think definitely there were moments where that one could have played better, but I think the composition is so much easier on red side to execute. I think it's important in such a game like this one that Ash and Set are winning both sides, uh, but uh, considering TF is winning against Silas early, and um, Leon Ezreal were contesting well this game. I, I, this made everything a lot harder. You know, first Cloud Drake went to to G2, then eventually fought for Soul Point. They were catching out Fiora left and right. They were trying to gank him. Uh, Wonder played well in the sense that he baited a lot of ganks and found you know some Fiora kills together with his his uh, colleagues on the team. But I think. Uh, this draft was just difficult to execute from the get-go. You know, Fiora and Silas don't operate on the same wavelength as Graves. And Graves made this into a topside focus game. And all honestly, maybe the only avenue that you could play through was through bottom into mid. And then maybe you could find a way to piece this together. But I don't like it too much. I just don't like it too much. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm unhappy about the Fiora. As I mentioned, Soul Point was forced very early on. There was a big fight around mid lane where uh, G2 managed to find some catches. The Leona play was very good from Mickey. The Twisted Fate cards were on point to deny any of the Barrel engages. Barrel was kind of uh, running it down. There was a situation where Silas was also tipping into topside. He got cancelled. And all of these small things added up into a lead. And the compositions are so polarizing because in team fights, red side is going to be so much better. And um, this is what happened. They managed to catch out that one in their blue side jungle, got an Asher, and then uh, they just went uh, towards the Infernal Dragon, got the soul, and after that, uh, there was no fighting back for that one at all. I think the mistake here is just uh, the question of picking Silas into Kindred and also the Fiora into Camille. In isolation, it's good. Maybe if you are, you know, Chinese super server Fiora, maybe it's good. Uh, it, it's not like Noguri is a bad Fiora at all. Maybe he's going to choose it as a skin, as the meme, uh, you know, uh, has foretold. What are these bird sounds, man? My, my, my cats had birthday the other day, and uh, Elena ordered them like a, a toy, a bird, that whenever it gets touched or, you know, pushed, uh, it's just, it just tweets, you know, it just tweets. Beep, 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 beep. And it's so, so rough because i was waking up to it in the night and it was and and sometimes you get to hear it too you know i love my cats they love that toy so it is what it is you know it is what it is anyhow that was game number two uh, g2 bounced back soul drake played for dragons it was a decent showing from g2 uh, but damwon you know this game the, the reason i like this game from damwon they had they had some slip-ups here and there right and i think their composition was hard to execute but when they were in a losing position, they weren't playing slow. They were trying to make this shit happen. Nobody was trying to make shit happen. He was fighting. He was all inning. There were some moments it was very close. Uh, Showmaker found a beautiful situation on the bottom side. Very Caps-esque uh, gameplay on the Silas. I liked what I was seeing because that one, 
same way they recognize they're in a winning position, they recognize they were in a losing position and then raise the level of activity, raise the level of variance. It was less precise, but in the game position they were in, they, they kind of needed to uh, to do that. So that's super, super cool. You know, That's something that I think they deserve praise for because calling them boring, my goodness, you're calling them boring. Right? Means you don't like great League of Legends. Come on. Magnifique. Magnifique. Game number three. Probably my favorite game. Because it really cements the idea of Damon ahead against Damon behind. So you have the Jin first pick. I was mentioning before that G2 didn't get Jin. Okay, the Jin first pick. Here, it was interesting how the TF prior dropped. Because I thought the idea here was that they're going to trade the deer uh, not the deer I, I can't say deer anymore because there's a lily in the game i thought they're going to trade Jin for twisted fate i thought that was the whole plan orn volley gets banned uh, shen is still in the picture and i think after they showcase gp i don't think they need to be afraid of a, of a, of a shen blind pick you know in the end the shen uh, ban maybe makes less sense especially when enemy is insta banning camille still no adaptation on the camille ban i thought it was strange here is where you show a little bit of weakness, you're removing Renekton yourself on blue side. I don't like that too much. I think like playing Renekton into uh, the champions above, it's decent into Jen or whatever. I, I, I think it just shows weakness here. Uh, let me just take off my socks. Sorry guys, this is very random, but my socks, I've been wearing them all day and they are not so comfortable. So forgive me. <laughs> it's a, a bit troll. You know, I love you guys. Oh. Oh, you know, you have when you had socks on the whole day and you have like this, you know, the, the, the rubber band like really presses against your foot and then you can like, like half itch it. Oof. Oof. Wonderful. I was wearing cashmere socks today. Very nice. New cashmere socks from Falke. There we go. Let's uh, move on. So no Camille adaptation. I think Renekton banned first three and look for Camille first pick could have been a thing. But anyhow, we continue. Because I think Wunder Camille was something, you know, was something good. Especially the enemies banning a lot of top laners. You're, you're handicapping yourself here. And definitely, Wunder Sion was not a problem. So I'm putting a lot of effort and, and emphasis on the top pick. But Sion was definitely not a problem. Sion was doing well this game. Anyhow, Jim first pick. Grave Cinder is the answer. No Twisted Fate. I thought, oh wow, they're going to give Twisted Fate. Twisted Fate Cinder matchup. Cinder can win. There is some moments op and opportunities there for Twisted Fate. They're going to have Twisted Fate Kindred. Maybe something's going to happen. No problem. They have Graves and Cinder. Another thing here is that they banned Lucian on blue. This is where you begin to think, oh, uh, AD Carry Champion Pool maybe is an issue. Uh, you have to ban Lucian to make sure that you can first pick Jin, and then maybe after Jin is banned, maybe you pick Graves, something like that. This is, you know, where Damwon began to show a lot more depth in terms of uh, champion pool and preparation, because they are sacrificing a lot here to get this Jin first pick. And uh, even though Perks is good on Jin, and, uh, you know, uh, Huang Fong is good on Jin. I don't think Jin is like Giga Bust. It's like first pick it, baby, OP champion. No, no, no. I am not in that boat at all. I think you ban Lucian because you want to put yourself in a position where Graves Kindred is the matter. Especially after this game where you win when Kindred Graves is played and you attack that beautiful uh, Graves that Canyon has. So I think they're just following that trend because Kindred and Lucian on the same team is honestly Giga Int. So avoid it at all costs. Graves, Syndra, Ash. 
key thing here is the adaptation of Syndra. So here, sure, you could go for Lilia and then, you know, pray that you find some AD champion. Like maybe you go Lilia and set mid here. Could be an option. Set not too bad with Lilia. Maybe you can find something. Lilia you can pick it into. Set you can pick it into Syndra. Maybe that would be an option. But here, when you go Grave Syndra and you're looking Kindred into it, all of a sudden we have that same draft that we saw. Maybe I can find it. Maybe we can find it. Uh, DRX versus Damwon. Let me find it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, not this. First game draft. First game draft. You guys remember this draft? This is how you counter Kindred. Kindred gets locked in. Boom. Range champions. A lot of range champions with that don't hard commit. Cannon gets picked, and then Leona, the only reason she's here is to contest space when it's necessary. She goes in when it's necessary. She has no reason to ever hard commit first, unless it's like a golden opportunity, of course. But the range champion Syndra just denies anything Kindred wants to do. They never have to hard commit. They're baiting out the ults, they're baiting out the spells, and then Kindred has no purpose. Kindred is a great design in the ultimate is because there are clear situations where this ultimate has a lot of value and there are clear situations where it's <coughs> dog shit. Sure, someone's going to say in the chat, well, if Kindred has 14 marks, then she's super high range. That doesn't happen in competitive. I know your soul cube buddy that is a Kindred one trick and his name is Kinder Egg and he's looking all cool. Uh, no, it doesn't happen in competitive. Very, very rarely. Very rarely. So we go back to the draft at hand, and you see that the trend is very similar. Beautiful draft. And the thing is, the draft aligns so well into Akali too. So you have Grave Syndra, and then Ash pick into Jin. Ghost Ash, very good. Uh, Kindred gets locked in. You have three ranged champions into the Kindred. We like that too. Bartam Kench gets banned, and then boom, Lulu. So Lulu is genius here. Lulu fits the criteria of having ranged champions, what we spoke about, more ranged champions. And Lulu is incredibly good into Akali. And now with all of these top lane bans, Renekton out, you have Orn out, Volibear out, Camille out. Uh, the top lane choices in terms of blind picking is quite difficult. Very difficult. And Lulu is good into Akali because the E reveals her ass in the Shroud. And of course you have the ultimate to make sure that no one is in kill range. You have the W. Everything about Lulu just screams, fuck you, Akali. And this is something that they showed in the group stage. Uh, banning the Renekton uh, is a mistake. You know, we're all being uh, kept in hindsight here. But the depth of that one is very tough to, to prepare against. You know, Sion did okay this game. I don't think Sion was the problem. But they're afraid of Lulu going, Lulu going bottom side. That's why they are blind picking Sion. They're not. They can't really lock in something to counter pick Lulu because that would be a little bit ridiculous considering all the bans in uh, uh, the top lane. Here, I was surprised that Pantheon gets locked in. I was like, why you why you pick Pantheon, bro? Just lock into Leona. Leona's won every game. Just uh, just stick to it, right? Just stick to it. Uh, but they didn't. And here, Leona gets picked. Leona's good against Pantheon because. You know, Ash Leona is very good against Pantheon because Ash has long range. This is good against Pantheon. Her attack range exceeds Pantheon W range, so that's good. And also Leona is good into Pantheon because it does... Like, Pantheon can never commit on Leona. It's a losing play to commit on Leona. Uh, Pantheon is going to have prior early levels, of course. He's going to be strong early levels, but then eventually he gets outscaled 
in the draft. And this was the game where people find it boring. But this is this game really cemented the idea of Damon when they are ahead, they just stick to one win condition. And in this game, they sacrifice a lot of Ash Farm. They sacrifice a lot of Sidelane Farm. And there's probably some room for improvement. But they refuse to take any risk and put themselves in a position where G2 are going to begin to pick them off. They're going to create a skirmish heavy game on the side lane against the Pantheon, against the Akali. They wanted to avoid the situation at all costs. Even though Ash was monster fed because the Pantheon was running it down, Jin had same items because he was just farming more on the side lane. But this, I think, was a choice that Damon made. They didn't want to run in, in, into any Pantheon ults. They didn't want to run, run into Cyan ults on side. They didn't want to run into Akali all-inning and Jin bullets flying all over the place. They just wanted to play around the dragons. They wanted to play compact. They wanted to make sure that they are in those situations where the enemy needs to commit into them and the fights are 5v5s. Because Kindred is going to be useless. Akali can't really find any success. And Sion is going to ult in, but then really what's going to happen? Leona can just block it. She can just say, stand behind me, no problem. Put the W on, get the Aftershock going for yourself. And no problem at all, right? No problem at all. And this was the biggest difficulty. It's almost like this composition, you know, these two composition function. Damwon is the matador and G2 is the bull that is just charging in. And then, boom, they just move it. They just move it. You know, the bull is not so intelligent. It only sees red. It wants to go and kill and kill and kill. But the matador plays intelligently. Just, just dodges it, right? Dodges it. And that's what happened. Damwon survived the initial engage. And then they can just chase the enemy down because there is no kill at all. How does Kindred find value? How does Akali find value? Super, super difficult. And this is what Damon did throughout the game. It is just a question of, you know, them playing to their strengths. And uh, I love it. This, to me, is beautiful League of Legends. Damon showed that they can raise their activity, lower their precision when it's necessary. And also decrease their activity completely when they're champions and they can make maybe two, three, four decisions to make the game winning. They can take it's it the, the analogy would be it is what a grandmaster does with a pawn advantage, right? A grandmaster with a pawn advantage is gonna take that pawn advantage and squeeze the living shit out of it, right? That pawn advantage is going to be so so meaningful. And that's what Damon does. They get a pawn advantage and boom. Right? When they're behind, they begin to mess up the position. They begin to find things. And if you look at the LPL teams and G2, they are constantly playing very, very uh, Tal-esque. You know? They are playing almost like barbarian mode. And that is where you, why you get like these explosive games that end super, super fast and so forth. Which, uh, you know, in contrast, uh, makes uh, less sense, which uh, comes into game four. But the game four was such a big dumpster fire that even for Damon, they're like, let's just fucking take this home and break some records. Damon, holy. Damon. Looks like Magnus Carlsen right now. <laughs> Anyhow, big, big draft gap here. It just, Dalman at this point showed that they are 
better players, they are a better team, and they are better drafters. And they didn't fall into any holes that G2 loved to be in, you know? You know that hole where, you know, in Sparta, uh, you know, Leonidas kicks, you know, people into that hole? That hole is where G2 fucking fight everyone and they kill everyone. Like, ah, this is our hole, you know? And uh, that one didn't take the bait. Daman didn't take the bait. Anyhow, we continue. Yeah, this game, you know, was very rough for, for Mickey. Very, very rough. But uh, I, I, I don't want to blame to solely go on Mickey because decisions in terms of diving and going, they, these are decisions that uh, are team decisions. You can call for it. Well, let's fucking dive. Well, let's go. You know, we can't know for sure that this is all Mickey's fault. I, I wouldn't want to put that on him. But uh, the decisions uh, that were made uh, in order to, you know, to, to dive and constantly try to pressure with the Pantheon definitely put Ash in a monster position where it was very okay for the Ash to give up as much as she did. Because maybe if she wasn't ahead, maybe Jin would have just outfarmed and maybe there was some room for some potential there to maybe, you know, win a game due to farming sidelines better because of how da uh, safe Daman played. But, you know, this Ash was monster fed, monster fed. We continue. Final game. Shen Ban, Cinder Ban, Jin Ban, Lucian, Niliash, Twisted Fate. So here, once again, they're changing it up. They're changing it up. They give the Silas. And this is, it felt like Twisted, like Damon just prepared, had so many things, you know, prepared in their pocket. Because this is a, a different take on the draft situation. They baited the Silas in. Baited the Silas in. Very smart. Syndra is banned, so there's no Syndra choice. And Lucian was banned on red side. So already here, you know, the fact that G2 is banning Lucian and Renekton on blue side means they are dizzy. Right? And then here it continues. Lucian, Nidley, Ash. They are trying to deny AD carry champion pool. But Jin Ash being banned raises the priority of Caitlyn. So you're going to go into deeper and deeper waters. Because what choices do you really have against Caitlyn here? You begin to think Ziggs, maybe. You begin to think Varus. You begin to think, um, you know, maybe Ezreal, but Kalista. You know, all of these things are in the darkness, right? Senna. But Caitlyn is going to be winning in the bottom side. And priority lanes is what TF loves. It's what Kindred loves. Twisted Fake is locked in. Silas Graves is the answer. Kindred Caitlyn. And I love Kindred Caitlyn. I said it on the analysis because we did the play and band together. The reason I love Kindred and Caitlyn together is because Kindred hates it when she needs to be the one committing. But Caitlyn, in most cases, gives you the range advantage. The enemy needs to go into you. Right? And having Caitlyn Twisted Fake already makes your composition outrange the enemy's. You have Twisted Fate Kindred Kate against Silas Graves. Caitlyn supplements the idea of Kindred super, super well. We enjoy it, right? We enjoy it. Thumbs up for that one, ladies and gentlemen in the chat. Thumbs up. We love it. Good maneuvering around key picks. This is for those who want to learn. When it comes to drafting, it's all about, you know, expectations. You know, the meta is the expectation. And then finding ways to break it. And I think Damon have found ways of making the kindred shine. And also ways of making the kindred look like a little lamb. 
Caden Kindred, beautiful combo. Orn gets locked in. Okay, you have some engage in the picture. Picking Orn against Kindred, maybe not the best thing ever, but you need to find ways to break the potential Kate, especially when Action Jin is out. Camille is banned. Lulu gets banned. Remove those picks from Nuguri. Tom Kench Pantheon gets out, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, is Leona gonna get locked in? Leona Caitlyn don't have the greatest synergy. Set gets locked in. I was like, what? Is this set support? Various corrected me instead. Like, Yo, bro, this is against Orn. I was like, okay, I fucking like it. Because set ultimate for Silas is garbage. And if you look at the trend here, these ultimates are not good for Silas. This is not a monster situation, but Silas is a Hecarim ult, a Gangplank ult, yar matey. You know, there's, there's nothing there for Silas to really work with. He has a Twisted Fate ult. There's nothing exciting here for Silas to work with. And I think maybe, you know, after the Genji series, we've been drinking too much Silas juice. Too much Silas juice. So we need to lay off the Silas juice. And remember the Twisted Fate. Champion is fucking strong. Twisted Fate doesn't need a lot of conditions in order to be useful, while Silas needs a lot of conditions to be useful. So I have the Orn pick, and then the set gets locked in as a pick into the Orn, which is good, you know, it's decent, you know, so we play it, especially here, where you just need to peel, Braum to deny the Orn, and then the Senna is already locked in, so you know that the bottom matchup is going to be fine regardless of what you're seeing, and... Here again, we have a composition that needs to all in enforce. You have Nautilus, Orn, Grave, Silas. They can only play in. Oh. Hey. Monkas. So Kindred loves it when you have to get into her. Silas, Graves, Orn, Nautilus, they all play around this pattern. They need to go in, right? And... Uh, Senna always matches, you know, Senna is very versatile because she can play both ways, right? She can play slow fights, she can play bursty fights with the ultimate and W, so forth. She's, she's, she's a very good, well-rounded champion. But she's not going to be strong enough to define your composition. Senna never defines your comp. Neither does a champion like Jin, right? Jin and Senna are supplementary champions. Braum gets picked, and uh, you're playing Braum and Kindred against this composition that needs to go into you. And uh, the key thing here is, even though, you know, the compositions are polarizing, you know, one side needs to engage, the other team needs to fucking parry and, and block the fight. The tricky thing here is that the matchups are also in favor of that one. Set wins Orn. Kindred uh, is all, or against Graves. Depends on lane matchups. Twisted Fate has prior against Silas. Caitlyn Braum are going to be able to have prior against Senna Nautilus. So already from the get-go, you're going to start on the back foot when your composition is so polarizing. And in this game, it was a disaster. It, it was a massive, massive disaster. Kindred marks were very lucky. Just the face solo killed Silas. It was just downhill from there. This was a brutal game. There was a 2v2 on top side. Not with the jungle, but Braum went all the way up there. The game was 4-0, 5-0, and we had the quickest game in world's history complete annihilation and when we made the prediction i said 3-1 and i was talking about how on paper everything that we can measure Damon is better right they showcased that today and i thought g2 in the intangible front meaning pre preparation mental best of five experience we thought these would be the key things but honestly preparation Damon annihilated 
gameplay they annihilated and on top of that mental they fucking annihilated this was a very very strong showing from that one i think that a g2 could have shown more and i feel sorry for them that this was how things ended but i think regardless it would have been a very very uphill battle that one came to play they really really came to play and um for me this was some of the prettiest league of legends i've seen in a long time i was very very excited to watch it the coffee was uh, pumping in my veins uh, and um as a fan of good league of legends uh, this was uh, quite the juicer quite the juicer at the end of the day you know i think if Suning and Topis will show us something incredible in their best of five, I'm thinking Damon looks like a like a favor, like a pretty big favorite coming into the finals. Because even the takeaway in this series, you know, against Damon, you, you need to. It, 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 they're just such a well-rounded team. It's hard to point to weaknesses. Ghost played insane today. Barrel played crazy good. They have so much champions to play as well. They have the biggest champion pools uh, at the tournament in each role. Maybe Showmaker has, has a smaller one, but man, it doesn't matter. I, I don't even think he has a small champion pool. It's just that, you know, he, he, he didn't, doesn't need to show anything. How, how, how do you prepare against the Damo? You just need to play fucking better. And that's very tough. Very tough. They have this meta bolted down bolted down so that one showcasing some beautiful league of legends very nice showmaker as well you know i was discussing with some people and you know the conversation of of caps being the best performing mid laner i i, I was kind of against it because i actually sat down and watched a lot of the pro pro views and showmaker is the type of player he's going to do as much as is necessary he's not going to take any crazy risks when he's winning and to his, you know, to his credit, you know, Canyon was doing a lot of the winning for him in, in the matches that we saw against DRX and, and so forth. And, you know, people expect him to have some some crazy, you know, pop-off performance against the likes of a Chovy. But, uh, you know, I think Showmaker delivers when it's necessary, man. And the, the man is the man is a beast. I think uh, Canyon also, absolute monster. I think um, the game number two, like he has a Fiora Silas lane. Like what on earth is he supposed to do with that as a Graves? It is just, uh, you know, top kick. A very, very top kick. I think, uh, holy moly, it's, it's nuts. You know, this game as well, I, I, I don't want to put too much blame on, 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 on Caps because... You know, at some point, you recognize that the enemy team is better than you and there is a sense of desperation in the way you play. And I think this was clearly shown in game number four. Like, this was just G2 desperation trying to pull uh, something out of a hat and uh, it just wasn't enough. And um, all in all, Showmaker delivered today. I think Showmaker played super well. I think everyone on the team played super well. But the standout performance for me was was Ghost and Barrel. Like, these guys were absolute beasts. Beasts. I say beasts with the most amount of base that is possible. 
And now the discussion that I wanted to uh, continue on is LCK versus LEC, right? Like everyone's, uh, I, I see a lot of people chattering about LCK versus LEC, and you know, Genji went one-one against Fnatic, and then they lost against G2. Uh, I think, I think Damwon smacked G2 just as hard as Genji smack, like got smacked by by of course G2. LCK is better, right? Obviously, in the conversation of like obviously Damwon is better than everyone, right? Like it's it's a tricky conversation to have because it, you you can't put G2 on the same level as the other European teams. Right? You can't put Fnatic at the same level as Rogue or Mad Lions. That's just not a part of the conversation. You can't put the same level of Damon as a Genji and a DRX or, or anything else for that matter. Right? There's a huge gap between these teams. So it's like it's a weird conversation to have, but if we compare the seeds, DRX was uh, the second seed. They smacked, uh, I believe, Rogue. Wait. No, no, they didn't smack Rogue around. No. Yeah, so the analogy sucks. There's, there's nothing there. <laughs> like, there, there. There's just... There's nothing there. I, I think LCK is better at the end of the day. Um, I, I think that's fair to say. But the conversation is weird to have. You know, it is kind of weird to have. And um, all in all, let's put that to rest. Tomorrow we have Top Esports versus Sony. And I know in my prediction video I didn't talk too much about it because it's it's a tough one for me. I can admit that something is tough to, to look at. I think both of the best of fives are kind of weird. Like I feel like it's some there's something very impressive about the fact that Top Esports can pull it back from a 2-0 deficit. Yuyanja played a lot better after running it down. And uh, Jackie Love also played a lot better, and Top Esports as a whole managed to adapt. They managed to, you know, stay fierce. So we know that their mental game is is on point, right? Sooning is like a snowball that is just getting bigger and bigger. Every time we get to see them play, they are getting better and better. And that's something that, you know, is also very intriguing, because I feel like this current meta is the perfect storm for someone like SOFM. SOFM... As a pure jungler, he's, he's done things that really, really stood out to me and really, really impressed me. And this is the meta where you can show off that more than anyone. I think that is, you know, if I look across the board, I think Bin against 369, super exciting matchup. Uh, Jackie Love versus Huang Fong, very exciting matchup. Uh, Carlsa versus SOFM, this is where I give an edge to Suning. I know a lot of people are hyped on, on, on Carsa after uh, some beautiful moves. In the best of five to, of course, win uh, the series for Top Esports against Fnatic. But all in all, uh, there were some moments as well where I was very, very unimpressed. Because Top Esports is very similar uh, to G2 like that. I think uh, Top Esports is like a G2 with better individual players. That's how I feel uh, right now when I assess Top Esports. Sooning, you know, their best of five against GGG. It was just skill check after skill check after skill check. Skill check after skill check. It was uh, it was nuts. And mechanically and draft-wise, they just prepared better. I think uh, this series, you know, it's it's hard to take a lot away from the best of fives that they played, in my opinion. And coming into the World Championship, I have very high expectations of Toby Esports. I feel like they are very, very lax in the way they play. And I know there's a lot of rumors in terms of, you know, 
how well they're doing in scrims and them losing scrims. But Top Esports have, have never crossed me as a team that is, you know, super fierce when it comes to practice. You know, when we practiced against Top Esports, I wasn't too impressed either, but uh, which, which we did over in Sandbox. But watching them play, I was always very, very intrigued. And then watching them in playoffs, uh, they did uh, some super, super insane things. Uh, super, super insane things. Uh, let me just uh, double check something real quick. Uh, uh, okay, give me one second, guys. Hey guys, it's Pearson here, as you may know, and uh, I'm here to talk to you guys because I have an announcement to make. I'm really grateful for what playing professionally and what League of Legends and TSM has really given me. When I first started playing professionally, I was a depressed kid in Denmark, and I was really just, League of Legends was just an escape from the hard times I was having at school especially, and in my first couple of years, I was really just playing to stay out of school because I knew that if I didn't make it, I would have to go back because you, you have to finish high school, especially in Denmark. And yeah, the person I am today is through this job and through this career, and I think it's, a, it's been a great way for me to grow and learn a lot of things, have a lot of hardships, have a lot of success. And after playing professional League of Legends for about eight years and playing for TSM for, I think, close to six, um, I'm here to talk about the fact that I'm retiring as a professional player and stepping into the head coach role for TSM. It probably comes to, as a shock to a lot of you guys, and I especially don't want it to seem like this is a sudden reaction to our poor world's run. Uh, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time and especially in this last year. Uh, I almost even committed to the change in between spring and summer, but I really wanted to have a good season before uh, becoming a coach. And there's just a lot of aspects of when you're a leader and when you're a veteran on the team, you end up doing a lot of coaching while you're playing. And I always really enjoyed that aspect and I enjoyed helping the team be on the same page, helping the team be at their best, play well together, help individuals improve and flourish. But it was always a bit of a side project because ultimately as a pro player you have to focus on yourself first and foremost and your own performance. So I always had to kind of leave it up to whoever was working with the team to do those things. But uh, I think just as I've gotten older and as I've been playing longer, uh, now just feels like a good time to really step into that role full time and see what I can do when those projects are truly my responsibility. I even feel like kind of saying the word retirement doesn't really feel like it fits because I don't really feel like I'm retiring. I'm still going to be a competitor in League of Legends and with TSM I'm just changing the role. I'm not going to be actively playing on stage during the matches but I'm still, I still feel like I'll be competing and I'll be working every day towards the same goal which is winning, winning North America, doing well at Worlds, ultimately winning Worlds and um, yeah it's just about doing it from a new a new standpoint, a new perspective, and I'm really excited to have uh, just a lot of new goals to work with. Even though we obviously had an extremely disappointing Worlds run, uh, I was still really happy and proud that we brought a trophy to you guys again after kind of a drought of not having any for a while, and my hope is just that I can continue to do that, but from a different position within the team, and hopefully in the long run have more of an impact from the coaching side than, than I did it even as a player.
Thank you guys for supporting me and the team. I know this is probably not what a lot of you expected, but I hope that you'll continue to support me in this new role. I can't promise that I'm gonna be the perfect coach right away, and I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes, but I hope that you guys know me and that you know my mindset, and that every day I'm gonna do my best to improve even if I fail, even if I make mistakes. And I hope that in the long run, I can be uh, the best head coach that TSM can ever find. Wow. Shit, man. Wow. Holy. That is crazy, guys. Jesus. Well, first and foremost, I think he's going to do a great fucking job. Really, really good job. I hear nothing, nothing but good about Bjergsen. And he has a very, very inspirational mentality and um, the fact you know in a lot of cases when this happens you have players moving into coaching positions when their player careers are over but Bjorkson still regardless of how you view the world's run uh, the man made massive bits in the NALCS and um if he wanted to be a player, he could continue, but the man is choosing to make this decision while he's still good enough to compete at the highest level in his league. Which tells to me that he wants this, you know? He wants this, he's ready for this, he's thought about this, and that's super, super good. You know? That's a very, very good sign in my eyes. In a lot of cases, you have players getting pushed into that position where they, when they are not good enough to compete anymore but uh, this is fantastic I wish the man the best of luck I uh, wish the man a lot of success too I think uh, this is a very very intriguing move this is super super exciting for TSM and keep in mind this man has seen all the goods and all the bad this man has had experience in so many different tournaments, so many different states, so many different teams, so many different environments, and that is going to transfer well into his uh, coaching role. 
And I think um, that's great, you know? He has repeatedly, you know, won and conquered the LCS. So the man knows the issues of it, you know? And in a time where we're talking about culture and problems with culture, maybe Bjergsen is going to be the solution for TSM and a, a partial solution to some of the issues in North America. I'm going to watch this uh, very closely, uh, but I am super, super excited uh, for, uh, for him. Super, super excited. This is um, crazy news and uh, quite emotional, honestly. You know, I, I think... Um, you know, I remember... Back in season two, uh, this is a very, very old story, but I, I played with him for a little while. And he was a very, very shy guy back then, you know, very, very shy. And um, what's cool, you know, I remember running into him, facing him for the first time. He transferred from EU Nordic East to EU West, and I faced off against him. His name, I believe, was XL Bjergsen. XL Bjergsen and the man played Cassiopeia. And he had a mean Anivia. I think he was inspired by Froggen, like everyone else at the time. He had a mean Anivia, and the way he played Cassiopeia, he, he took a big shit on me. And I was like, this is the guy. I was in Western Wolves at the time, and uh, I wanted to replace Tabs with Bjergsen. Tabs was a very good mid laner back then, but, but Tabs... Uh, was very childish and uh, borderline toxic within the team. It was a very long time ago, right? Everyone was toxic. I was very toxic. Everyone was different, right? So don't, 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 don't cancel anyone, right? And my idea was to bring in Bjergsen. And uh, my team agreed. But then at the end of the day, my team chose to side with Tabs. And I was uh, let go from the team. And uh, there was no uh, story with, with, with Bjergsen in the mid lane. And... Um, that was an oof. Then eventually, of course, I made Team Solo Mebdi. And uh, Bjergsen is too nice to be in Team Solo Mebdi. <laughs> yeah, I got ditched, guys. But uh, it was it was alright. It was alright. I made Team Solo Mebdi. And we were doing good. Tabs was on Millennium. He didn't qualify. <laughs> Tabs on Millennium actually lost against Copenhagen Wolves. But Bjergsen was uh, too young to play that qualifier. And that's where the famous Deficio uh, quote where he says, So fuck you, Bjergsen! Because <laughs> Bjergsen thought they were going to get stomped by Millennium. So that's, uh, karma has a way to, to spin its wheel. Right? <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, what a career. What a career. And it's going to continue. Uh, I'm excited about that. I want to bring in the conversation back to Topis versus Sooning. I think this one, this one is a tough one to predict. I'm leaning towards Top Esports, but uh, SOFM makes me want to change my prediction. I, I think this is a super, super tough one uh, because they, they both teams play so high variance and both of them, both teams are very mechanically talented. And uh, in a lot of situations, the decisions that are made... Uh, don't have like the most precise uh, decision making, so that one is uh, is a is, is a pretty wild. I just think that we're going to see some mechanically crazy things, and um, 
I, I think it's going to come down to fucking razor razor type things. You know, I, you guys want me to have a prediction, but it's it's super hard. I I don't know how to 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 approach this matchup. It's going to be a fucking bloodbath, that's for sure. But I'm I'm having this feeling that SFM is going to be the difference maker. But then I'm looking at Knight and 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 Jackie Love, and I know that they also can be a difference maker. I know Toby Sports fans are going to reference back to to Sooning uh, getting three would which which makes perfect sense. But Sooning has been they, they've been on a this phase of ramping up, and I think this matter is just perfect for Sooning. But if at the end of the day someone puts a gun to my head and I have to choose, I have to side with Top Esports. Top Esports though can't play the way they did in game one and two. Uh, I, I don't think Sooning are capable of playing at the same level of intensity the Fnatic did into bottom side. And I think the Top Esports best of five was so educational for a team like Top Esports. While Sooning's best of five was just a confidence booster because they were smacking down JDG. Right? But at the same time, JDG underperformed. Kanabi wasn't really there, right? Kanabi SFM was supposed to be a hype matchup, but SFM delivered, played Kindred, played all of the champions that are currently matter. Beautiful. I just, um, you know, gun to my head, need to choose Top Esports. Now, this video has gone on for one hour, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a short summary. Uh, you know how it is. I think um, it's going to be a crazy, crazy match. Tomorrow, I'm going to watch it together with I Will Dominate. So check out his co-viewing stream. I think uh, that's going to be super, super good. I already reacted to Bjergsen uh, retiring. Uh, it just happened. I know it's the, the news are currently spreading. It's going to be in this video. So please uh, just check that out. Uh, and uh, uh, that's it for this one. Bless you and bless your face. We're going to continue streaming, so don't go away. Uh, we might play some Among Us with some, uh, some chess players, maybe some League. Who knows? Uh, we just have to uh, check it out and, uh, and, and see. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going, to, I'm going to play Among Us. Maybe I'm going to play some League. I'm not sure yet. Uh, anyhow, it is what it is. Let's uh, figure something out together. Bless you and bless your face. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, thank you for supporting me on the World's Analyst Desk. Uh, I hope I get to be a part of the finals, but I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, the, the, the you know, uh, I think um, we're going to, you know, I, I don't even know what I was saying. I started reading the chat and uh, my mind just... Uh, disappeared anyhow I, I will continue to make content on this channel hopefully i have an update for you guys about what my future is going to look like uh, very soon uh, that's my hope uh, bless you and bless your face clash later tonight there's no clash there's no clash sorry